Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope, hope you'll visit the website and give them a call. It's johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net, lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global events. Larry Reed is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Talk about Christmas and capitalism. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, will be joining us as well. It is December the 13th, and on this day in 2000, Vice President Al Gore conceded defeat to George W. Bush in his bid for the presidency following weeks of legal battles over the recounting of votes in Florida. Remember those hanging chads? Well, in a televised speech from his ceremonial office next to the White House, Gore said that he was deeply disappointed and sharply disagreed with the Supreme Court verdict that ended his campaign. Partisan rancor now must be put aside, he said. I accept the finality of the outcome, which will be ratified next Monday in the Electoral College, he said. And tonight, for the sake of our unity as a people, the strength of our democracy, I offer my concession. He won the national popular vote by more than 500,000 votes, but narrowly lost Florida, giving the Electoral College to Bush 271 to 266. Gore said he had telephoned Bush to offer his congratulations, honoring him for the first time with the title President-Elect. I promised I would call him back this time, Gore said, referring to the moment on election night when he called Bush to tell him he was going to concede and then called him back a half hour later to retract the concession. Gore only hinted at what he might do in the future. I've seen America in this campaign. I like what I see. It's worth fighting for, and that's a fight I'll never stop, he said. Among the friends and family beside Gore were his wife, well, now ex-wife Tipper, and his running mate, Senator Joseph Lieberman of Connecticut, and Lieberman's wife, Hadassah. A little more than an hour later, Bush addressed the nation for the first time as president-elect, declaring the nation must rise above a house divided. Speaking from the podium of the Texas House of Representatives, Bush devoted his speech to themes of reconciliation, followed by the closest and most disputed presidential elections in U.S. history. I will not. I was not elected to serve one party, but to serve one nation, Bush said. Bush and his running mate, uh, Dick Cheney, took office on January the 20th, 2001, and were re-elected in 2004 over Democrats John Kerry and John Edwards. Gore has since become a foremost climate advocate. He was the creator and subject of a 2006 academic award-winning documentary, An Inconvenient Truth About the Climate Crisis. Man, has he gotten rich from that. Gore was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 2007, which kind of shows the lack of value that the Peace Prize has anymore. Gore really has amassed a fortune. Uh, Remember all those polar bears that were supposed to become extinct? Well, that's not the case. By the way, uh, Jason Kunkrak and Kevin Na won the... uh, the uh, shootout, QBE shootout, on by a stroke yesterday at the Tiburon Golf Club. And it was kind of cool to watch the uh, proceedings, watch the play. It was fun to watch, but it also highlighted uh, Naples, Florida. It was such a beautiful place to live and to be. 
certainly grateful for for that and also for the shootout it was uh at uh, tiburon great great event and uh, of course it's an annual event uh, inviting uh, great golfers from the uh, pga more than 40 tornadoes touched down into the sixth state region on friday night with the greatest damage centered on mayfield kentucky over 100 are feared dead tornadoes tore through the heartland late friday night and early saturday morning Deadly tornadoes ripped through Missouri, Kentucky, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Illinois, but it's expected to rise as the buildings are evacuated. The disaster was a reminder that nature is the most powerful force on Earth, for sure. So we'll expect to see more than 100, perhaps, uh, die from these tornadoes. At the Oval Office's occupant, <clears throat> Biden, of course, was expected to make a statement. Instead of contenting himself with opining about the tragedy, offering the nation's condolences and promising to use the power of his office to help those hurt in the tragedy, Biden instantly dragged climate change into the mix. While speaking to reporters and virtually assessing the tornado damage from Wilmington, Delaware, his home, he was asked whether he could conclude from these storms and the intensity if they have anything to do with climate change. He says, all I know is the intensity of the weather across the board has had some impacts and consequence of the warming of the planet and climate change, Biden said. The specific impact on these storms, I can't say at this point. I'm going to be asking the EPA and others to look at that, Biden said. The fact is that we all know that everything is more intense when the climate is warming, everything, and obviously it has some impact here, but I can't give you a quantitative reading on that, he said. The problem with the statement, of course, is it's not true. Despite media hysteria, the data are reasonably clear that we're currently in a phase of fewer extreme disasters. If you want a very simple proof of that, look at the leftist website that offers a post listing the top 10 worst storms of all time, uh, fewer modern. The years in which they struck were 1737, 1839, 1882, 1897, 1970, 75, 91, and 2008. Most were centered in Indian subcontinent and uh, China. <clears throat> NBC offered a similar list in 2008, and they, they all go back mostly predating the true rise of uh, modern CO2 emissions. A more scientific approach comes with a what's up, W-A-T-T-S, what's up with that climate, uh, everything climate site which shows, uh, using actual data, that tornadoes, in fact, are getting less dangerous. The historical uh, tornado data shows the number of all categories of tornadoes have been declining for the past 45 years, and the number of strong tornadoes has been dramatically declining for the past 45 years. So, uh, the climate change, well, what's with the climate change business? What's it all about? Well, here's an example from the Washington Free Beacon, a solar energy company owned by a Biden mega donor receiving, is receiving a $500 million government loan to build a manufacturing facility in India, the Biden administration announced this week, raising questions about whether the company's political clout played any role in, fin- in the financing decision. Oh, you think? The U.S. International Development Finance Corporation granted the loan to First Solar which is owned by billionaire uh, Walmart heir Lucas Walton, to build a solar module plant in India. Walton contributed over $300,000 to President Joe Biden's campaign last year and over $100,000 to the Democrat National Committee. 
Loan to First Solar is the largest single debt financing transaction issued by the DFC. The agency announced this week, DFC said the investment in the India project will promote DFC's commitment to diversifying supply chains. Following the demands for uh, lawmakers that the agency avoid funding any solar projects connected to forces, forced labor in China. Now, what's notable about this, of course, is sites not being built in the United States. What's up with that? Ethics watchdogs say the loans raises questions about whether First Solar's political connections played a role in the decision. The Federal Financing Agency, which was formerly known as Overseas Private Investment Corporation, has faced criticism in the past for funding projects linked to the political donors. The loan comes uh, nine years after Obama administration gave un- fire, came under fire for approving a $3 billion loan guarantees, loan guarantees to the same company, funding that uh, Republican lawmakers alleged the company wasn't qualified to receive. On September the 6th, 2011, Solyndra, a solar energy startup that received $535 million loan from Obama regime, filed for bankruptcy shortly after. It was a success for Obama for the donor, George Kaiser. Emails revealed that investors Kaiser pushed for a loan to a solar energy company that later went bankrupt. So that's a thumbnail uh, summary, thumbnail summary of the Green New Deal. Mega contributions to the DNC and to the Biden administration or campaign, leading to huge loans to build solar plants in India. You see how that works? That's the Green New Deal. Now you can understand the urgency of this whole thing, right? I hate to be so cynical, but that's pretty much how it works. Kind of sad. Ohio, uh, Rhode Island have become the 28th and 29th U.S. states to report cases of Omicron, the variant of the virus that causes COVID-19. Ohio officials announced on December 11th that two cases of the variant were detected in the state, both of whom were fully vaccinated more than six months ago. Rhode Island officials confirmed one case of the variant on December the 11th. That patient was fully vaccinated and had recently returned to New York. More than half of the states in the country have confirmed cases of Omicron. About 29 states, 210 cases have been reported as of December the 11th. Officials disclosed that the vaccination status of 66 of the infected individuals, of those 66, 52 were fully vaccinated. Some have even gotten vaccine booster shots. Most of the Omicron cases in the United States have been among those vaccinated against COVID-19. Uh, most patients have experienced mild symptoms. Some of them have recently returned from trips from Africa or others in contact with somebody else who has done so. And what's interesting is there have been few hospitalizations and to date, at least, no deaths from from Omicron virus in uh, South Africa or anywhere else in the world that have been reported. Well, technology companies led a rally on Wall Street that powered the S&P to an all-time high on Friday and gave the index its best weekly gain since February. It rose 1%, enough to recoup its losses from a day earlier. The benchmark index uh, closed higher for the last five days, finishing 3.8% higher for the week. Well, that's good news, and uh, maybe it means there's a Santa Claus rally, uh, rally uh, in the future for us for the next few days. That would be nice as well. But consumer prices accelerated in the year uh, through November at the fastest pace in 39 years, new government data shows, 
marking the sixth straight month of inflation running above 5%, delivering a fresh sign that inflationary woes are not transitory and they will bedevil the economy. We'll talk about that later in the show. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected into the community and with each other. The Golden Gate Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Tatiana Fortune, director of the Golden Gate Senior Center. We want to be able to connect you to whatever service or activity. And even if the person doesn't want to come out for socialization, if they have a question about, um, hey, where do I go for transportation? Where do I go for uh, a certain health care? If they have a need, we are able to point them in that direction through our information and referral service. So we're more than happy to assist in that as well. To find out more, visit CallYourSeniorResources.org. That's CallYourSeniorResources.org or call the Senior Center directly at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social, a new refreshing social networking platform. You can download the app and find out more by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is an author. He's written several books, mainly about past presidents. He's also the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's 
great for kids of all ages, including you and I. It's called HistoryCentral.com. HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, Mark. Mark, are you there? Hello, Mark. Mark? Can you hear me, Mark? I can hear you on the other end, but can you hear me, Mark? I don't think Mark can hear me. Well, uh, this is too bad because, uh, Mark, are you there? Well, we're going to have to move on. Hopefully, Mark uh, will call us back, but uh, that's that's unfortunate uh, that, because I was looking forward to this conversation. We have a lot to, to talk about in terms of what's happening around the globe. So uh, let's move on then to talk about some other things that are going on. Uh, we talked about the Wall Street increasing. Consumer prices have accelerated. We talked about that. However, uh, the rise in the, uh, of 0.8% was a surprise, and that's in terms of the monthly uh, gain in the uh, amount of inflation. My concern about all this is that I think the amount of inflation is much larger than what we're hearing about in, in the papers. So in other words, we see that gas is up about 33% year over year. Uh, CPI inflation is now running over 5% for six straight months, well above the Fed's 2% target. Last month's annual CPI print came in the uh, 6.2%, the highest level in 31 years, delivering a blow to the Fed's transitory inflation narrative and prompting Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell to announce it was the high time to retire the word transitory. Besides high inflation, a flurry labor market, uh, labor market data, including job openings, rebounding to near-record highs, the labor force participation rate edging up, employment falling to 4.6% and uh, weekly jobless claims plunging to their lowest level since 1969, have further bolstered the case for monetary tightening. The Fed is currently on track to phase out its $120 billion per month bond purchases at a pace of 15 billion billion dollars per month, which would include the process in June. The Fed, however, left, uh, left the door open for a faster taper of these bond purchases, which would be a good idea. There's a 40.1% chance of the Fed making its first 25 basis point rate hike in March, according to the CME's Fed Watch, uh, Fed Watch tracker. A lot of pundits are saying it should happen a lot faster than that because inflation is out of control. And again, I, I, the basket of goods and services that are purchased in order to determine the inflation rate changes over time. And if you compare it to what it was in 1975, that uh, basket of goods would cost over 15% higher than it did last year. So uh, inflation is real. It's here. And we should really be concerned about it. Well, the Congressional Budget Office released an analysis on Friday estimating that President Joe Biden's Build Back Better plan could increase the federal deficit by $3 trillion over the next decade if the proposed programs are made permanent. Democrats who hold a narrow Senate majority will need Manchin's vote to pass the Build Back Better plan. Manchin is yet to endorse the package as proposed and will probably seek to make significant changes, according to CNBC. Senator Kirsten Sinema is another Democrat who may seek to change the bill in the Senate. She already shot down the administration's effort to hike tax rates on the large corporations and wealthy individuals per CNBC. So we'll see how this goes. I, I'd like to see this bill just die a slow death, maybe a quick death. That would be good, too. But uh, quite frankly, if you talk about inflation, if this passes, 
you can only imagine the expansion of the money supply and what's going to happen to the cost of goods going forward. This bill is not needed. Uh, we should count on the private sector in order to provide the service that uh, the uh, government would provide under this bill. It uh, should be uh, not passed, in my opinion. The uh, elections in 2022 just can't come fast enough. Well, the city of Chicago on Friday said it was uh, still suing actor Jesse Smollett for costs incurred by the police department after Smollett was found guilty of falsely reporting a hate crime earlier this week. The city filed a civil lawsuit against Jesse Smollett to recover costs, including incurred by the Chicago Police Department investigating what the city believed to be Smollett's false police reports that he was a victim of a hate crime. While using a different standard of proof, the jury's uh, finding guilt convicting Jesse Smollett of criminal charges stemming from the incident confirms the city was correct in bringing its civil lawsuit. This is just great news. So Smollett is probably going to get off on a much lighter charge uh, than he should have been because of uh, Kim Fox interve uh, intervening and uh, lessening the charges on, I think, about eight counts. But irrespective, it looks like Jesse Smollett uh, may be out. Let's see if this is Mark Schill. May be out of a, a large amount of money. Mark, is that you? Hello, Mark. Mark, is that you? Well, uh, unfortunately, I must. I seem to have lost my connection there with uh, the phone. It will be kind of interesting show today. But irrespective, the jury on Thursday found the 39-year-old guilty of five counts of disorderly conduct related to false statements to Chicago police. Smollett, who's uh, black and gay, maintained throughout the nearly three-year legal battle, has it been three years, that he was attacked downtown Chicago in January 2019 by people who yelled racist and anti-gay slurs and put a noose around his neck. Prosecutors said the verdict was a resounding message by the jury that uh, Smollett did exactly what he said he did. Uh, recruit two men to fake an attack so he could be recorded by a surveillance camera and posted on social media for publicity. Uh, the two uh, Ethiopians, Ambalola uh, Osandario and uh, the uh, Osandario brothers, who were siblings, testified the foreign empire actor paid them $3,500 to carry out a fake attack and gave them lines to yell, including uh, maggot country an apparent reference to the, uh, President Donald Trump's Make America Great Again uh, slogan. <laughs> Smollett testified that he was a victim of a hate crime, telling jurors there was no hoax. He called the Osendario uh, uh, brothers liars and said the $3,500 check was, wrote them was for meal and workout plans. Unbelievable. He expected the jury to believe that. They didn't, and neither do we, quite frankly, and I, I'm hopeful that the city of Chicago will continue to pursue the claims and reimburse the police department for their costs in uh, investigating his false claims. Well, even Democrats are now calling out the Democrat Party for racism. Uh, Dallas Mayor Eric Johnson said racism within the Democrat Party is an 800-pound gorilla in the room. The problem is not white men running for office. The problem is an 800-pound gorilla in the room which is the racism within the Democrat Party that many pretend doesn't exist. So the solution isn't folks like Dowd yielding to uh, candidates of color. It's addressing the racism, he said. He also cited an article from the Texas Tribune wondering 
why most of the top statewide candidates for Democrats were white. Their article also points out on the GOP side, there are multiple minority candidates. For decades, Texas Democrats have banked on the growth of voters of color, particularly black and Latino voters, as the key to the eventual success in a state long dominated by Republicans. But with less than a month left for candidates to file for statewide office in the 2022 elections, some in the party worried Democrats could see the appeal with those constituencies threatened by a Republican party that is rapidly diversifying its own candidate pool. The GOP uh, slate for uh, nationwide office includes two high-profile Latinos, Land Commissioner George P. Bush and former Texas Supreme Court Justice Eva Guzman, who are both running for Attorney General. It also includes two black candidates who have previously held state or federal office, former Florida Congressman Alan West, what a great guy he is, and former Representative James White, who are running for Governor and Agriculture Commissioner, respectively. By contrast, the Democrats' most formidable candidates are White, Beto O'Rourke, (laughs) <laughs> who is running again, who's running for governor, and Mike Collier, Matthew Dowd, and Michelle Beckley, who are running for lieutenant governor. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. You can find out more by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Bob, Mark, Mark, he, Mark can't hear me. I can hear that he can't hear me, so uh, there must be some problem with the connection. So we're just going to lose this opportunity to talk to, Mal, talk to Mark. There's a lot of uh, great things going on right now, including... New Caledonia, who's declaring its independence uh, from, where is it declaring its independence? Lots going on in the Ukraine, of course. There's just a lot to talk about in terms of global politics, but uh, we're going to have to defer that for another time. Well, uh, billionaire Democrat donor George Soros has bankrolled district attorneys in the United States with most of the most crime-ravaged cities where criminals are being allowed to walk out of jail on low-cash bonds or aren't even uh, being charged. Soros, the most prolific Democrat donor, is most known for giving a President Clinton and Obama, but he's also been pumping money into the far-left effort to overhaul the criminal justice system by giving millions to network of uh, woke prosecutors in Democrat states, among them Kim Fox in Chicago, the state attorney in uh, Cook County, where murder is at its highest rate in nearly 30 years. In 2020, Soros donated $2 million to a PAC that backed Fox in her re-election campaign. She won the race and since has offered deferred prosecutions and softball deals to criminals. In 2021, there were more murders in Chicago than any other year in 19, since 1994. There have been more than 1,000 murders in Cook County. Soros bolstered her re-election campaign by donating to the Illinois Justice and Public Safety PAC. PAC spent over $500,000 in materials to damage one of her challengers. It's a pattern that can be seen in other parts of the country. He's also donated to PACs that support Los Angeles District Attorney George Gascon, who is being widely condemned for not cracking down on shoplifting and violent criminals. Over a million dollars stolen out of one store this weekend. Gascon, uh, he's being recalled right now. Uh, we'll see if that's a, uh, effective or see if it's a successful we can only hope that it is but poor people and he's basically saying we're not gonna we're not gonna uh, convict people that charge less or try and steal less than a thousand dollars worth of goods he's also donated to the campaign of philadelphia district attorney larry kaz krasner he donated 1.7 million dollars to krasner's campaign according to the new york post so it was also donated to a super PAC that propped up democrat prosecutors and politicians across republican states Republican pundits say he has blood on his hands now for the death of innocent people like those killed in the Washika Christmas Parade by Daryl Brooks, a career criminal who has been bonded out of jail uh, earlier for other crimes. In 2016, Soros pumped $3 million into seven local district attorney campaigns, including races in Louisiana, Mississippi, New Mexico, and Texas. I think he's also contributed to the one in Portland, Oregon as well. Point is, this guy is creating havoc with our election. We've got to wake up America because uh, he can continue to fund these district attorneys. And you know what? You can't take them to court. They are cannot be charged for crimes, even though they should be accessories after the fact. For, for example, Daryl Brooks and what he did for the Christmas, what he did to the Christmas parade. Well, he should be charged. He should go to jail or even get the death sent sentence, in my opinion. Although they probably don't have it there in Wisconsin. But also, the uh, uh, district attorney who didn't charge Daryl Brooks, he said it was a mistake. 
well, he should go to jail too, and I think he should be charged as an accessory after the fact. Well, what's playing out is a study in contrast between two states that couldn't be more different. New Yorkers are continuing to lose their jobs over a vaccine mandate, while Floridians can have their employers fined for imposing them. Uh, Under a mandate announced Monday by New York Mayor Bill de Blasio, private sector employees citywide must be vaccinated by December the 27th or lose their jobs. Their safety fines, if they don't fire them, a separate de Blasio vaccine mandate applied to city uh, public sector employees who was suspended Wednesday by a New York judge pending a hearing on December the 14th. New York Democrat Governor Kathy Hochul, meanwhile, has said that uh, the state's health care workers, lionized as heroes last year, won't be eligible for unemployment benefits if fired for noncompliance with the mandate. Now get this. Health infl- officials who put their lives in jeopardy in order to face those in mandate in the hospitals and try and save their lives. Now they're being fired because they don't want to get the the, uh, vaccine. What do you think they know that we don't know? There must be something. There's something to it. And uh, why this Democrat governor insists on this policy makes no sense whatsoever. However, in Florida, by contrast, Republican Governor Ron DeSantis last month signed a law Billing, uh, banning vaccine mandates. Employees in Florida can now rat out on employers that violate the law. Instead of employees losing their jobs, their employers can be fined up to $5,000 per violation. Some healthcare workers in Florida are already being reinstated to positions they lost, and one of the state's largest hospital systems announced it was ending its vaccine mandate. A new online uh, complaint form was published Friday on the Florida Attorney General's website. Making it easy for employees to file a complaint, the form lists questions related to the employers not offering or approving five exemption mandate by the state, mandated by the state. Unlike New York, which eliminated the religious exemption, the Florida law requires private sector employees to offer five exemptions. They are religious, medical, natural immunity, periodic testing compliance, or using personal protective equipment. In addition to the online form for employees, the Florida Department of Legal Affairs issued an emergency rule and other additional guidance for employers on Friday. The law, which applies to employers of all sizes, became effective when it was signed on November the 19th and remains effective until June the 1st, 2023, unless, of course, it's extended. This is the strongest piece of legislation that's been enacted anywhere in the country in this regard, said DeSantis, upon uh, signing the bill into law. We're respecting people's individual freedom in this state, he added. Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody, who has sued the Biden administration over the vaccine mandate, celebrated the fact that there are now nationwide injunctions on all three of President Joe Biden's unlawful vaccine mandates, including the most recent uh, out of uh, district, uh, out of the uh, Southern District of Georgia pertaining to the federal contractors. She also said that Florida was fighting to protect its health care system from the damage that will be caused as a result of the unlawful vaccine mandate for centers at Medicare and Medicaid. Referring to Biden's mandate on health care workers for certified Medicare and Medicaid providers, since the online private employer complaint form went live, complaints about employers are rolling in, said Lauren Cassidy, a spokesperson for the Attorney General's office. Meanwhile, the federal court injunctions against Biden's vaccine mandates are already having an impact. One of Florida's largest hospital systems announced it's ending its vaccine mandates due to the recent decisions by the federal courts to block 
the CMS vaccine mandate. As of December the 2nd, Avent Health no longer requires its 83,000 employees to receive the COVID-19 shots. Advent Chief uh, Clinical Officer said the hospital system not only suspended its vaccine requirements, but it also no longer is processing any new requests for exemptions. Dropping its mandate, however, didn't change the evidence requirement for staff to declare their COVID-19 vaccination status with medical staff. In a letter to employees, Finkler wrote, While you are not required to receive the vaccine or apply for an exemption, medical staff members must report their current vaccination status. In response to Advent Health's decision, DeSantis' office issued a statement saying, We welcome Advent Health's decision to comply with state law to protect Floridians' jobs and ensure our state's health care system continue to functioning smoothly. Uh, some Florida doctors who refused to comply with the vaccine mandate and lost their jobs have since been reinstated. That's good news. Just amazing stuff. If you can imagine this firing doctors and firing uh, healthcare workers because they didn't get vaccinated. And right now, of course, we have the Omicron uh, variant, which apparently is to this point, of course, we don't know for sure, but it looks like it's much weaker. It's it's, uh, contagious, but it has the symptoms of a common cold leading to very little hospitalization. And so far in the globe, no deaths, even though there have been thousands of cases reported in some countries across the nation. While Floridians are working to, uh, going to work without fear, Hochul released a comprehensive plan to address statewide staffing shortages in hospital health care facilities resulting from employees being fired for not complying with the state's vaccine mandate. Just so fortunate to have a governor like Governor Ron DeSantis. All right, we're going to give it another try. We're going to see if we can visit with Larry Reed. He is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich 
classical education and the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Bob Harden Show. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTegg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us Larry Reed. Larry is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, are you there? Well, Larry can't hear me either, so we have some sort of problem. I have an IT guy coming on by later, but uh, unfortunately we won't be able to interview Larry either. Basically, his story uh, is an interesting one, and it is that uh, quite frankly, Christmas would not be possible the way we know it, the way we celebrate it, without capitalism. Of course, we have the story of Jesus Christ, uh, who uh, was born on in Bethlehem on Christmas Day, but also we exchange gifts, much like the uh, wise men bearing gifts to, uh, to the baby Jesus. We uh, exchange gifts, and of course, all that's possible because of capitalism. And that was the story that Larry's going to share with us. Unfortunately, he will not be able to do that. But I refer you to uh, L American. That's the website that posted this. Uh, LAmerican.com uh, posted this uh, column. Christmas would not be possible without capitalism. Well, a group of astronomers have discovered one of the biggest planets ever found orbiting uh, the orbiting a, a massive and extremely hot two-star system, despite previously believing that such an environment was too hot, inhospitable for a planet to form. The planet was discovered by Marcus Jansen, a professor of astronomy at Stockholm University, and colleagues, according to research published Wednesday in the uh, Science Journal in Nature. Jansen and his colleagues found the planet using very sophisticated spectropolarometric high-contrast exoplanet research instrument, or SPHERE, on the European Southern Observatory, very large telescope in Chile. Uh, now, named by L B Centauri AB, B or B Centauri B, the planet is an alien world experiencing conditions completely different from what we face here on Earth and in our solar system, astronomers said and it's 10 times more massive than Jupiter. Can you imagine that? Making one of the most massive planets ever found. Moreover, it revolves around the binary star at a staggering 100 times greater distance than Jupiter does around the Sun, one of the widest orbits discovered yet, astronomers explained. The largest distance from the central pair of uh, stars could be the key to the planet's survival. Jansen said the discovery of the planet around the uh, two-star system completely changes what astronomers believed uh, about massive stars hosting planets and shows they can, in fact, form in severe star systems. 
The two-star system, which is named B. Centauri, is 15 million years old and has at least six times the mass of the sun, making it by far the biggest stellar system around which astronomers have found a planet. Owing to its incredibly high temperatures, the star system, which sits 325 light years away in the Centaurus constellation, emits large amounts of UV and X-ray radiation. Prior to its discovery, scientists have been unable to detect any object, object around a star more than three times the mass of the sun. Furthermore, the large mass and heat emitted by the star's system strongly impact the surrounding gas, which uh, should technically make it difficult for planets to form. These type stars are generally considered as uh, quite destructive and dangerous environments, so it was believed that it should be exceedingly difficult to form large planets around them, Jason said. We've already had a very uh, solar system-centric view of what planetary systems are supposed to look like. Uh, This according to Mattia Samland. Over the last 10 years, the discovery of many planetary systems in surprising and novel configurations have made us widen our historically narrow view. This discovery adds another exciting chapter to this story, this time uh, for massive stars. It's just amazing. 100 times the size of Jupiter. Can you imagine? And uh, circ- circum going around a two-star system. Amazing. The instrument used to discover the planet, the sphere, was constructed and built by a consortium of several astronomical institutions and astronomers who by far used it so far used it to capture several planets orbiting stars other than the sun before. Using the instrument, they were able to take the first image of a growing infant planet and a potentially moon-forming disk. It will be intriguing and a task to uh, find or figure out how this might have formed, which is uh, uh, a mystery at the moment, Jason added, in a newly discovered about the newly discovered planet. I find uh, this whole thing of uh, space travel, it's uh, uh, exploring outer space to be so fascinating. And uh, these discoveries, it's just amazing to me uh, we, uh, that Pluto at one time, just 100 years ago or so, we, we didn't know that it existed. Now we're looking at planets that are 100 times the size of Jupiter. It's just amazing stuff. Well, one of the most frequently raised arguments against capitalism that is the primary driver of environmental pollution and, cap- and climate change but if we compare Yale University's ranking of countries with the highest environmental performance with the Heritage Foundation's Index of Economic Freedom, a very different correlation emerges. For more than 20 years, Yale University has been publishing the Environmental Performance Index and ranking countries according to their environmental health and ecosystem vitality. The EPI uses 32 performance indicators across 11 issue categories, and they would be air quality, sanitation of drinking water, heavy metals, waste management, biodiversity and habitat, ecosystem services, fisheries, climate change, pollution emissions, water resources, and agriculture. Now, according to Yale University's analysis, Denmark, Luxembourg, Switzerland, and the United Kingdom and France are the highest-ranked countries, followed by Austria, Finland, Sweden, Norway, and Germany. The report states one of the consistent lessons of the EPI is the achieving sustainability requirements, sufficient economic prosperity to fund public health and environmental infrastructure. The researchers found that there is a clear positive correlation between environmental performance and country wealth as measured by gross domestic product. An interesting comparison can be made between the EPI and the Heritage Foundation Index of Economic Freedom, 
which has been measuring economic freedom around the globe since 1995. The index, which is also referred to as the Capitalism Index by sociologist Eris Weed, was most recently published in the spring 2021, an analysis that the level of economic freedom in 178 different countries. The Heritage Foundation Index applies 12 criteria, all of which are weighted equally, property rights, judicial effectiveness, government integrity, tax burden, government spending, fiscal health, business freedom, labor market, monetary freedom, trade freedom, and investment freedom, financial freedom. The 10 most economically free countries in the world are Singapore, New Zealand, Australia, Switzerland, Ireland, Taiwan, United Kingdom, Estonia, Canada, and Denmark. Noticeably, the United States is conspicuously absent in those economically free countries. Of course, that may have changed with regard to uh, coronavirus and what's going on in Australia. The countries with the lowest levels of economic freedom were Korea, North Korea, Venezuela, Cuba, Sudan, and Zimbabwe. The 178 countries are all grouped in five categories, free, mostly free, moderately free, mostly unfree, and repressed. The Yale uh, Heritage Foundation's researchers compared the two indices and the Yale's uh, Environmental Performance Index, and they found that the the mostly free countries had a higher average uh, of non-polluting than the uh, uh, mostly unfree countries. No surprise there. So interesting indeed. So uh, the economist Daniel Fernandez-Mendez addressed the potential objection that countries with greater economic freedom are exporting their polluting industries to their less free world while keeping non-polluting industries in their country. (laughs) However, this is clearly not the case. His analysis of the investments make the countries with the highest environmental standards revealed only 0.1% of their foreign investments flow to countries with low environmental standards. So, again, those arguments just don't hand up, stand up clearly. The environment is no different to so many other areas of life. Capitalism is not the problem. Capitalism is the solution. All right, we'll get... Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding.
Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Jim McTagg. I certainly hope so, anyhow. Jim is a former Burns Washington Bureau Chief and author of Follow the Leader in a Sequel, Shake the Money Tree. Jim, are you there? Well, no surprise, we can't hear Jim, and I'm so sorry about that for our listeners' benefit. Uh, the phone coupler, when I get somebody on the line, apparently is not working properly because it's not. It can't be all the phones that are at, at fault here. So we'll get an IT guy to come by and uh, deal with the issue. Uh, but uh, right now, we do have uh, some more great information. Florida is more than 13,600 people serving life without parole, far more than any other state, and almost a quarter of the total nationwide serving life sentence. Can you believe that? Though this sentence is widely seen as an alternative to the death penalty, which is used in murder cases, 44% of the people serving in Florida were not convicted of a crime, according to analysis of state data. Part of the reason Florida's numbers are so high is that we uh, went further than any other state in 1997 by passing an unusual this is 1997 now, two-strikes law known as the Prison Release Reoffender Act. The law directs prosecutors to seek the maximum sentence for someone who commits a felony within three years of leaving prison, which often means a lifetime behind bars. The law also takes sentencing discretion away from judges. About 2,100 of the state's permanent lifers, or about 15%, are in prison because of the law, the investigation found. The crimes that netted life without parole include robbing a church of a laptop, holding up motel clerks for small amounts of cash, and stealing a television while waving a knife. Housing its without parole population, including those locked up under the two strikes law, cost Florida at least $330 million last year, according to analysis. This is an incredibly punitive law that is totally arbitrary, said Jeff Brandis a Republican who represents St. Petersburg in the Florida Senate and is trying to repeal the two-strike law without much support from colleagues. He said Florida wastes too much taxpayer money locking people up forever for burglary, robbery, and theft. A sentence that's too long is just as unjust as a sentence that's too short, and I certainly agree with that. Prosecutors argue that repeat offender laws and life without parole help combat crime in Florida. 
The population of uh, people serving life includes thousands of murderers as well as people who have sexually abused children or committed violent crimes, they note. Ed Brodsky, uh, president of the Florida Prosecuting Attorneys Association, said his colleagues typically use the two-strike sentencing law to enhance a law enhancement to punish repeat offenders who have committed violent felonies. And it's not hard for people to avoid, he said. All they have to do is remain crime-free. But Brodsky, the elected state attorney for Sarasota Region, said it might be time to re-examining the two-strike sentence rule. It's always good to look at the law and see how it's doing and ask, is it serving our intended purpose? Are there unintended consequences that are occurring? And when the two-strike act passed unanimously in 1997, budget analysts told uh, legislators it could cost Florida taxpayers up to $1.6 billion in the first decade, and the state might need as an additional 14,000 beds for prisoners. The law has been a bigger deterrent than a cost, that according to the Speaker of the House uh, in Florida. The Department of Corrections is now Florida's largest state agency with an annual, bu- annual budget of $2.3 billion. Spending has increased even as the state's overall prison population dropped from 100,000 to nearly 80,000. And life without parole uh, prisoners cost the state more than $330 million a year based on the agency's most recent average cost per prisoner, which is, by the way, uh, $24,255. Can you believe that? Pretty amazing. I'm for, uh, now, obviously, if you do the crime, you've got to do the time. That's my belief. But this law, uh, which to two-strike rule, is, I think, unfair. You get somebody who perhaps uh, committed a crime and then uh, commits a, a slight felony, ends up going to jail for life. It's not good for his life, not good for our life, her life, whoever it might be. But we need to get back to uh, proper sentencing rules that make sense. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Would have uh, preferred to have our guests on. We didn't do that, but I'm hopeful that we'll have everything all set for tomorrow's show. If, in fact, we have uh, tomorrow's show, our guests will have Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, on the show. Boo Mortensen will be joining us. We'll also visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and my wife, Linda, will be joining us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>